So here's the question. How do independent adjusters and appraisers like us, who can't hide behind corporate logos, processes, and profits, who are spending our own money and reputation, how do we work in a way that lets us get work, assignments, deployments, and more income without wasting time or money in this world of insurance while we stand out in the crowd? That is the question, and this podcast will help guide you to the answers. My name is Chris Stanley, and this is the Independent Adjuster Podcast. Join myself and other independents on the path to non-corporate success in the insurance industry. We are IAs. Hello and welcome to the Independent Adjuster Podcast. I am your host and your guide, Chris Stanley. Today's guest is a crossover from (laughs) the dark side. As a paintless dent repair technician, Paul Corden is coming to educate, inform, and rescue us from some of the common mistakes and misconceptions we have as adjusters when it comes to PDR. Paul, or I'll call him Flash Corden, is a 20-year PDR technician, influencer in the industry, and creator of the very first retail side panel PDR matrix. His work is influencing the industry to think differently about pricing, pushing the boundaries of what is repairable, and working to help bridge the gap between the PDR industry and other adjacent industries, such as adjusting. Pay attention to Paul and learn from his perspective, because he has tons to offer not only to his industry, but to us as IAs. Now I know there's so much to learn as independent adjusters. Hail, collision, flood, software, workflow, sales, on and on and on. So at IPATH, we knew it was overwhelming to try and pick and choose what training you should spend your hard-earned money on. So we created a membership that unlocks all of our self-paced training and courses. We call it the League of IAs. We are known by many names and faces. When they call, we answer. And what they start, we finish. As we write, it's for truth and justice. We represent hope to those who have experienced loss and support to the overwhelmed. We are loved by some, but hated by more. We are the vigilantes of the insurance industry, and we are IAs. We are needed now more than ever by an industry that's fighting for its life. And together we form the League of IAs. Join the fight at leagueofias.com. That membership is only $50 a month and unlocks over $2,000 in training. Now, so you can check it out at leagueofias.com. But first, it's time to call 
into talk with Paul Corden. Ah, scratch that. Flash Corden. Hello, this is Paul. Hey, Paul, it's Chris Stanley with the Independent Adjuster Podcast. Thank you, sir, for answering my call today and for being on the podcast. Oh, it's great to be here, Chris. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, hang out with you and your fellow adjusters and uh, talk about PDR a little bit, how it, how it intersects with uh, what you do. Absolutely. Now, obviously, IAs that are listening are going to be like, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, he said PDR. They may not even be familiar with what PDR is. So why should anybody stick around to hear from basically a PDR technician and a guy from the PDR industry named Paul Corden and his story? Why should they even care to listen? Um, okay, well, to, uh, without trying to sound <laughs> too braggy about this, my, the facts of the situation are I'm a 20-year tech. I've been doing PDR in the Washington metro area for 20 years. Uh, I, I am an industry, considered an industry leader. I, I'm an author, a speaker, a teacher at some of our seminars. I created uh, the, the industry's first retail side panel estimating process. And I just, generally speaking, push the limits of PDR in every way that I can uh, within our industry. Now, before I throw you on a super wild tangent, I hear rumors, the folklore today when they, people found out I was coming to interview, of some of the size dents that you can fix. Now, can you just give our audience, who doesn't maybe doesn't even understand how PDR fix, but the size of dent that you could fix, let's say on a fender or a quarter panel, like what kind of size dent can you get up to fixing? Maybe not every time, but what kind of dents do you try sure. to tackle, Paul? Well, I'll be honest with you. I would tell you that we still do not know the limits of what PDR can do. Um, but to give you an example, I remember I had a dealer send me a car that they took in on a trade. Uh, this was a Porsche Panamera, all aluminum car. And there was about a 40-inch crease that went through the rear door and into the rear quarter panel. We were able to fix that and make it like it was new without having to paint the car or replace any parts. Um, and that's just one example. I mean, the examples go on and on and on from there. And uh, it's getting to the point now where um, we are starting to see what's what I like to kind of affectionately call paintless collision repair instead of just paintless ding or dent repair. That's, that's, that's awesome. And so you said 40 inches, so you're saying over three feet. That's insanity. That is that's insanity. Yeah, that's big. awesome. That's awesome. So, Paul, I mean, tell us how you got started in the PDR industry, how you got started in this insurance arena, because PDR really is an extension of the repair and the insurance industry, in my mind, especially now. Sure. Well, it, it has certainly become um, more of an accepted uh, repair process. I'll tell you, I started in 1999 with a local company here in Washington, D.C., and uh, grew from there. Uh, ran a, a, a local route where we serviced body shops and dealerships and then some retail customers and eventually ended up in one of their retail shops. <clears throat> excuse me. And um, basically, uh, within that 20 years, I've had the opportunity with working uh, 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 to work with Many of the insurance uh, uh, companies, both uh, major and minor, uh, many of the body shops in our area and service a lot of retail customers through the shop now at this point. And uh, what's been interesting to see is the, the shift in the insurance industry where they are giving PDR technicians and shops uh, more opportunities to fix damage on cars where there may be uh, dents and damage, but without any paint damage. So in other words, they don't have to repaint the car or replace the part, assuming that we can get it to a, an acceptable level of repair. And that uh, with, with stories like the one we told about the 40 inch crease in the Porsche, 
uh, happening more and more. Uh, we are finding that we're we're having our customers uh, take those those prices and say, well, instead of spending my cash out of my pocket, I'll go ahead and file a claim with my insurance company. And that's forced us into a relationship uh, with insurance companies more and more, uh, not only with the hail, which is, um, you know, the only time that uh, the insurance companies would kind of intersect with PDR. Now it's also with side panel uh, damage on on um, cars. Uh, just in this last week, I've worked with uh, a major insurance company twice on side panels uh, for customers' cars. That's awesome. So to, to clear up any confusion for IAs listening or for anybody listening, PDR is paintless dent repair. Like you said a few times, this is to prevent the painting of a panel or a vehicle, to, the, to save a panel from being potentially replaced without having to paint it or use body filler, such as commonly known as Bondo. So how would you explain that process takes place? So there are two major ways that we repair dents. Um, the professional dent guys uh, use specialized tools. And the best way to describe it is that we are essentially massaging the dent back out from the inside. We're slowly and methodically pushing the metal back to its original shape. Um, the second method that we typically use is called glue pulling. We use a special formula of hot glue with special tabs that allow us to pull the metal out from the outside uh, without uh, getting or without the opportunity to get tools to the backside of the car. For instance, on the rails of a vehicle where there's no access from the inside. Those are the two primary ways that historically dent guys have fixed cars. Uh, we're starting to see some new technology come into play with electromagnetic heat induction that allows uh, the superheating of metal without burning the paint to cause expansion in the metal. And that kind of will allow the dent to come up at least to some degree. And that's helping us out in other ways with some repairs, depending on the situation. Um, but what's what's great, if, if you don't mind, if, I, if you'll indulge it. me, um, what's great about what PDR brings to the table, uh, especially for what I see as for insurance companies and, and ultimately for the, the insured, the uh, owners of the vehicles, is that by being able to repair damage on these cars, even some severe damage, without painting or replacing parts, we are able to salvage the original value of the vehicle. So we're not diminishing the value of the vehicle during the repair. And we're also avoiding vehicle history reports in many cases by uh, not going through with an invasive uh, procedure or repair process where there needs to be stud welding that may burn the e-code on the back of the panel, or there may be Bondo that has to go into a panel and uh, may result in less than a perfect repair at some point. And that's by no means to say that we have the only or the best way of repairing uh, a car, but in situations where the paint has not been broken and the damage is repairable, I would say from my heart of hearts that PDR is absolutely the best way to repair that vehicle. Also, it really lowers the cycle time on a lot of these cars, and we're finding that that is a, a huge deal to both insurance companies and even body shops. Totally. And like you said, from your heart of hearts, uh, me having some experience in the PDR industry, quite a, quite a bit about five years, not quite your 20, but five yeah. years on from the, from an adjuster and a manager standpoint, you know, if it was our vehicle, we'd want it fixed with PDR, whether it's a collision dent that didn't break the paint or whether it's hail, you know, that's a totally, it, it's a way safer, uh, better for the vehicle, long-term value for the vehicle holds up better over the, the course of the vehicle. So I, I completely agree with that, and I and I endorse it wholeheartedly as well. And I love your explanation yeah. of PDR. And one of us stole it from each other because, I mean, almost to the exact <laughs> wording, 
it, that I tell my students, it, you nailed it. I'm like, man, That's he great. either read it or I read it from him somewhere. So that, that was That's perfect. I, I love it. I love the cohesiveness of it. So pretty cool. You've been successful as a PDR uh, technician, but you've also been successful just kind of uh, as standing up as a leader in the industry, as a, a consultant, I think I saw on LinkedIn. And, you know, you've just been successful at starting your own business because just like adjusters, you're a 1099 guy pushing dents. Mm -hmm. We're just looking at cars. But as mm -hmm. a, it's still a business. So what has kind of been that characteristic that you think has defined your success uh, as an independent business owner? You know, um, I would say it's tough to pick a number one, uh, to be very honest with you. If I had to choose a number one, I'd say the truth is being humble or teachable is probably the number one characteristic. Um, because I, I believe that as soon as I start to think that I've learned it all or I know it all, that's when I find that I just fell off a cliff. And I quickly uh, come to find out that I don't know it all at all. And there's so much more to learn. Um, but up there close to number one for me would be just a, uh, having, a, in general, a confidence in knowing what I know and knowing what the truth of what I know is and basically confidence in my expertise. You know, knowing that, hey, listen, when it comes to PDR, when it comes to estimating, when it comes to repairing, I'm the guy who has been in that car, many cars over the years, and, and I know what I'm dealing with and I know what it takes. And, and so as humbly as I can, I need to learn a way to communicate that. Um, with a, a body shop or with a dealership or with an uh, insurance adjuster, an independent or, or a corporate adjuster um, in a way that is not offending them, you know, in a way that is clearly communicating, here's why we need to do this operation. Here's what it requires. And here's why the price reflects that in this particular case. And I think what you just said highlights a great point that most adjusters have, you, you know, we talked about in the pre-call, these guidelines that we have to kind of abide by right we can't just go mm -hmm. way off matrix unless we have a justification and we and i teach the students um that hey you know there's going to be times where you have to break those guidelines where you, somebody's going to say something right. that makes sense when something makes sense it's okay if it makes sense to you notate right. it and move on so what has been the greatest challenge then for you to that communication piece with adjusters or body shops trying to get them to, to see no, no, no. This is, so what, what has that inside of that been? Um, I think that one of the greatest challenges is feeling pressure, uh, undue pressure to get to a resolution or a final place. Um, now, I know that in a CAT situation, a lot of times it's hard for the technician or the shop and the adjusters to sit there and argue for ever over, you know, maybe a panel or two or whether those are quarter size dents or half dollar size dents. And that's not really what I'm referring to. Really what I'm, more of what I'm referring to is taking the time to thoughtfully um, explain or dictate to an adjuster or to a, you know, a body shop owner why this damage requires X, Y, and Z. And I think um, it's too easy for guys who all they want to do is get their hands on a tool pushing metal because that's when we make our money um, to overlook taking the time to create a case and have, I, I always say when I, when I teach at seminars, I, I say documentation is justification is salvation. Okay. Anything that I can document, I can then justify. And when I can have proper documentation and justification for why I'm asking for what I'm asking for, then 
it may even save me, save my butt in the long run when somebody comes back to me and says, hey, Mr. Adjuster or Mr. Dent guy, why did you charge this for this? I can say, well, here's, here's the process and here's the documentation showing why we needed to do this. Therefore, that's what we agreed on and that's, that's why it, it should be uh, this much money, Mr. Adjuster or Mr. Body Shop owner or what have you. And that's the same for adjusters when we, or especially independent, because we are having to explain ourselves to the insurance company, whatever it is we write up. And if something right. doesn't sniff out, where's your photos? Where's your documentation? You know, you're thrown under that bus quickly. So I think mm -hmm. that's a great lesson to learn. What was it? Say one more time, the, the whole justification piece. Um, so what I, is, I, th I would say this is a great crossover for adjusters as well, but documentation is justification is salvation. So in other words, what we can document, we can then justify through documentation what we're asking for. And then all of that information together later on is something that's going to save our butt when we have to answer to our superior. Absolutely. Love it. Love it. And yeah, that is a great crossover. Absolutely for us adjusters. That That is so the truth. So, um, you know, you've had all these challenges, you've had the success, but what has been kind of looking back the rewarding part of being in this industry, being a part of the bigger picture of the PDR insurance uh, body shop repair industry? Sure. Well, for me, uh, my, my journey has been unique. Um, I've had the opportunity to be uh, uh, an influencing voice in our industry. Um, and I, I came up with, and I, and I created a process for estimating side panel PDR um, that has been widely adopted in the PDR industry. Um, a lot of people refer to it as the Paul Ford and Price Guide. Um, and I didn't give it that name. I just happened to be the guy that created it and gave it away to our industry. And it's become so popular that even our number one software, the one that we use called Mobile Tech RX, has adopted that process into their algorithms in their software. So that across the board, many, many PDR guys who are on this software, and it's quickly becoming probably the number one software in the industry, are, are using this process. And we're finding um, that it's successful for many applications, body shops, dealerships, uh, insurance claims. And that is simply because going back to the thing we just talked about, with this software, we're able to take pictures of damage. We're able to utilize marking out the damage and taking measurements of the damage and then simply clicking on menus that, that put all of these different things together for a, a comprehensive estimate that is accurate. Um, my pricing guide runs on, on a few simple things. You take the size of the damage, plus you add any factors that affect that damage um, for instance, a factor would be considered maybe uh, the substrate instead of being mild steel is high strength steel, or maybe it is aluminum. Well, that aluminum takes more time, energy, and effort to repair, and therefore it's usually reflected in the price that uh, aluminum is, is uh, more expensive to repair. Um, as a matter of fact, I was, got to take part of a study that was put on by ICAR and ASA, uh, also one of our industry's uh, representatives, NAPDRT, was there, and we did a study of aluminum versus steel, uh, and we found that scientifically, using pressure gauges and numbers and measurements, that it took anywhere from 30 to 70 percent more time, energy, and effort to repair a dent in aluminum than it does in steel. And so, for those reasons, we take the size of the damage plus a factor like aluminum, and then we take any R and I that needs to be done on that vehicle in order to repair that correctly, and that gives you a total. 
So it's real simple. Size plus factors plus R&I equals total. That's the basis for the process of my estimating system. And um, once that's applied and once it's kind of shown out to adjusters and to body shops, they get it. They go, okay, this is clear. This is documentable. This is justifiable. And therefore, I can, you, I agree with you that it requires X amount of dollars to repair. Um, and that I would say uh, that's been the most rewarding part for me to see the industry literally shifting before my eyes because of something that I said or did or offered to them that they chose. That I, all I did was offer it. They chose to take it and apply it. And we're, we're just seeing a, a, a great shift in the industry. And, and there's some um, just some some great relationships being made in, in our industry with uh, insurance companies and and so on and so forth. It's really helping us to step into a good direction where we are legitimized and we're taken more seriously as a business. Yeah, and I think this is a great transition point to kind of our, our topic that, you know, it, the industry is shifting more and more in my view as well. Uh, dramatically in the last three years, and I think it's going to be even more exponential in the next two, uh, yeah. of independent adjusters, of um, PDR companies hiring independent adjusters and working with the insurance companies to process the large volume of hail claims uh, mm -hmm. that, that happen every hail season because you know there, there's all sorts of different reasons, but really the bottom line with anything comes down to money. And PDR uh, companies and technicians and adjusters are a lot uh, less expensive to hire to do adjusting than mm -hmm. it, it is for them to have a staff guy on, on, on staff all year long, an adjuster on staff all year long. So with that, yeah. the listeners in the IAs who may be dreaming of this hail season, maybe their first one or their 50th storm, uh, mm -hmm. you know, what can you kind of give them that <clears throat> you've seen over the years that, hey, you know, these are some of the things that almost everybody misses but you as an experienced one looking at the process, building your own process that you can help give them to where they can shine this year or the next storm that they, they, they hop onto. Sure. Um, well, I mean, I would say um, a couple of things that, that are often overlooked or, or quite possibly dismissed um, are number one, obviously you guys have all been through a situation where you may get into a, a discussion over the size of the dents. What is the actual size of the dents? Um, and and oversized dents going in that along those lines. And the reality is, I mean, for me, it's pretty simple since most of the industry uses a, a matrix that uh, correlates to a coin size. I simply keep coins on hand, you know. And um, but it's funny because that's not just having a coin doesn't necessarily always tell the whole story. Um, many times I have uh, very seasoned adjust adjusters come in. And um, they don't necessarily know how to read uh, the lights that we use to do the repairs oh, and the inspections. Absolutely. And so I have to show them, uh, and, and this is, and I'll, I'll say this, uh, I, I'm a huge, I'm a big fan of getting along with people. I don't want to argue with anybody about anything. So I, my goal as a technician is to try to make my adjuster's job as easy as possible. That's really where I'm coming from when I have a, a reinspect. And so what I normally do for my adjuster is I set up the lights and I might even mark the damage out so that when they come to look at the damage, I can stick a coin over top of that dent and they can see where the marks are. And they go, well, this is definitely obviously larger than that coin. You know, again, seeing for a lot of, for a lot of people, seeing is believing and, and, and allows us to, you know, document and then justify what we're asking for. 
Um, so, so making those things easier for my adjusters uh, not to miss uh, size of damage, oversized dents. Um, so factors, how would you, I, if I could jump in, how would you explain, because obviously audio is so hard to explain, the, the technique, right. I, I, I don't even know if it's referred to it as the industry, I call it light bending. The technique yep. of light bending to see the accurate size of the dent, how would you explain that to someone who doesn't know how to use the lights in the, in the industry or just the, the reflections that are readily available sometimes to us uh, sure. to see those, the size of the dents? How would you explain that? Yeah, um, you know, I would say it's well. Let me let me first start off by saying you guys have a hard job. I'll tell you, I I uh, I have a lot of respect for adjusters because you guys are being asked to look at a car in some of the worst environments, especially when it comes to hail. You know, it's it's very difficult for dent professional dent guys to see all the dents. Sometimes I can't tell you how many estimates that I've written where I have missed a few dents here and there. So for somebody who doesn't necessarily train to look at them in the reflection sources that we use, um, it's a very difficult job to do. And my hat's off to all the adjusters out there who have to do that on a regular basis. Um, but what I would suggest is um, whenever possible, get the car inside, get a, pro a professional PBR light or something equivalent. And what you want to do is have that light nice and flat uh, uh, away from the panel so that you're looking across the panel at the reflection of the light. And when you place a coin in the center of a dent, let's just say uh, we have a dent that's on the borderline of being um, maybe between a uh, half dollar and an oversized dent. What I can literally do if I set the light up right is place the coin in that dent, and then you and I can look together to see if there's any distortion that goes outside of that coin. And if there's any distortion at all, that is considered an oversized dent. Um, and so that, that's a very simple thing that we can do, but knowing how to apply that process is a different story. And, and it is a very difficult thing to do for a non-professional PDR guy, because, you know, this is stuff that we have to do for a living and it's only, you know, it may only come up for, for an adjuster, uh, during the hail season, or maybe he's a new adjuster who's just doing one season of, you know, uh, hail cat. And, but these are all things that are, are, uh, legitimate things we need to look for. Um, and that's what I would that's what I would say to you about actually checking dents uh, for inspection or reinspect is make sure that you're in a controlled environment with good lighting, especially professional PDR lighting if you can. That's when you're going to really see the true story of the damage that's happening in that vehicle. Now, obviously, that's the ideal scenario, and we could yeah. go on probably all night between you and I talking about how we could, we could improve the industry by changing sure. just the arena that the vehicles are looked at. So right. what else are some of the things, other than making sure we get the dent sizes and the oversize, right? What are some other yeah. things that are often overlooked or, or that we could improve upon? So I would say uh, two other uh, major major things would be R&I. So uh, I think it's uh, a lot of times uh, I'll have an adjuster ask me why I need to remove an item in order to repair something. And um, especially the, with the more technology and and uh, the more infrastructure that's being built into these vehicles, um, there is a lot more R&I that needs to happen. Um, and and with that comes uh, nowadays more uh, technology that we need to be concerned about, recalibration of sensors and, and cameras. Um, we need to be checking for error codes. Uh, so you'll see a lot of PDR companies are starting to get into buying scan tools uh, to do pre and post scans on the vehicles. Um, so R&I is definitely one, what, you know, and Justin might say, well, why do you need to take the lift gate off of this vehicle in order to fix these dents? Well, because, you know, it's the fastest, easiest way for us to get access to the underside of the roof to fix those particular dents. Um, the other, uh, the 
I would say the other big, big factor or big uh, item would be factors. And basically factors, and you'll find this, anybody who has gotten a, a copy of my price guide, on one side, you'll see uh, a measuring tool and uh, a list of dent sizes with a correlating price. And on the back side, you'll see a list of factors. And uh, um, just to run through a few that are major uh, for us um, in our industry, when we are pricing a dent, uh, we will look at the size of the dent and then we'll go through a list of factors. We'll say, how, how deep is this dent? Is this considered a deep dent or medium dent or shallow dent? Is it aluminum or high strength steel? Uh, is it a glue pull dent? In other words, is there no access to the backside with a tool so we have to pull it from the outside? Um, it, does this uh, dent fall on a body line or a contour line? Because we know that when metal has been folded or bent or curved, that it has what's called work hardening. So it's a physically harder substrate to move than a flat piece of steel or aluminum. Um, is hey, the good example of, of that. Good example. So we're not just leaving it there to kind of, sure. huh, what did he say? Just yeah, imagine yeah. a soda can where, where it mm -hmm. curves. Like right. at the top, it, it, what the contour lines at the folds or the edges or the creases, like that mm -hmm. stuff is so much harder to cr crumble than if you just squeeze the middle of the can. Like you're just like, boop, yeah. you're done. You know, and, and so, yeah, exactly. that, I just wanted to make sure we drove that home. What, what, what we're really saying in the practical level for an adjuster to go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So that way, right. and on the cat line this year, they go, man, you know, I, I might not be able to do these factors he's talking about, but right, no, right. They, they might need to do a glue pull on this because it's on the edge of a soda can or the, on the edge of the door. So, yeah, Absolutely. sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to no, interrupt no, no, you, but okay. I wanted to make sure we drove that home because we can kind of skip over that because it makes yeah. sense to me and you. But, you know, an adjuster no, I, listening I loves I like, to get those revelations. I appreciate you taking the time to focus on it because a, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of people who are not PDR professionals don't understand that when, for instance, something as simple as uh, uh, fixing a dent on aluminum or high strength steel is takes much more time and effort and energy. Something as simple as glue pulling a dent versus pushing it with a tool. Uh, and I'll tell you, in my career, I've had times where I've had to glue pull one dent, uh, you know, upwards of fifty or seventy-five or hundred times to get the metal perfect. Because you're 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 not as precise with glue as you are with a tool, and so that takes more time, energy, effort. It also takes more materials because you're using you know uh, perishable uh, materials, and so those all those things requiring more time, energy, or effort or materials should cost more. That's how the body shop industry works with their book times. Um, a couple of the things guys don't don't uh, often think about is uh, anything with exotic paint finish. If it's a matte finished vehicle, or if it has a custom paint job that would cost you know, tons of money to repaint. Um, a lot of times in newer cars, we're dealing with laminated glass in the doors, which are very fragile and can be broken easily. Uh, sound deadener on the inside of many cars that we're seeing now, even in the roofs and in the hoods, uh, there'll be a, an extra hard layer of coating on the inside that, uh, you know, we have to work around to some degree. Um, so those are just a few. Um, there are there are quite a few in the list of factors. And and if anybody needs any of that information, there I'm happy to make it available to you, and you can post it up in the show notes. But uh, yeah, there are so many different factors that go into properly repairing these cars um, to a high degree of quality, um, and and those are the things that I would say are easily overlooked, and and for a good reason because our job as PDR professionals is to know about those things. You guys don't necessarily have to know about those things, although I think it's helpful to you to be aware of them. Yeah, I remember uh, clear as day, like the, the, going through all the factors, like that <laughs> there was a dealership company I was working with was working on, and the sound dead nerds, if you can imagine, uh, listeners, if you've ever like 
done one of those hole fixes where you let it like, spray foam in it and it just expands the expanding foam like imagine mm-hmm. that underneath a brace and then you're trying to stick a screwdriver through it but it's like 10 times harder than that stuff and you're trying to how can i get a tool to that dent it's like near impossible and it's all across every brace of the roof and this right. stuff is oh my gosh it's, it's so it's just it's so hard but to think about that in, as an adjuster on a cat line like you're saying it's a totally different monster for you guys versus us because we're sitting there going, oh, my gosh, we've got 30 minutes to look at a car, right. write an yeah. estimate. That's assess the damage, write the estimate, and talk to the customer and deliver them an estimate you know, to get them started. And it's like, yeah. man, to take all those factors in, it's really hard. But that's when I think the understanding that you're trying to portray to, to adjusters and to the industry is that, hey, there's a lot of factors. I like your word, factors to these right. repairs that we're never even aware of because mm-hmm. it's the reinspects, it's the supplements that we need to understand. And I've seen some of um, mobile tech stuff and it's amazing. And I love what they're doing. And you know, this is not sponsored by mobile tech, although maybe it should be sure. Uh, you know, they're sure. getting so great advertisers over here, but it really is a great software right. for PDR technicians to use. So I, I appreciate you being willing to offer your price guide. Cause I'm even interested sure. to, to look at it in detail. So, uh, as we as we look back, Paul, you've done a lot. You've you, you've climbed the ranks of the PDR industry. You survived for twenty years. Your back is still intact. That's amazing in and of itself. <laughs> and uh, yep. and now you're so considered far. a leader in the industry. Uh, you know, someone that is offers consulting and does speaking. You know, that's a a lot of accomplishments. But as you look back, if you could go back before you started PDR. Uh, with the knowledge you know now and tell yourself one thing, what what would that one thing be to help you on your journey? Um, so my thought on that is if I could go back and tell my younger PDR self something, I would say to start taking advantage of pushing the limits of the PDR industry earlier. Um, not wait so long to really start to go, hey, I wonder how far we can go with this thing called PDR. Um, because I think back when I had first started, we really were, uh, to some degree, um, the stepchild of the industry, of the collision repair industry. Um, people only thought of us as being able to fix dings. Um, and I think many of us technicians early on only thought of ourselves as being able to fix dings, you know, because we weren't, we didn't, we weren't able, we weren't willing to try to push the limits to, to extend ourselves and take a chance, even if it meant that we weren't going to be able to charge on that job when we were done, because we didn't know whether it was fixable or not. So I would encourage my young self to push the the limits of PDR a lot a lot earlier on. And I'll tell you, that's it's actually this that's a good segue uh, into I think um, one of the things that that um, I noticed is that adjusters obviously they have a uh, they have boundaries that they have to work within. I think as PDR professionals, we understand that. We understand that you have a boss to answer to and that you're working within a framework that you're allowed to work. And um, a great uh, analogy from the PDR world uh, for that would be when we have to deal with, PDR techs have to deal with what's called uh, dent warranty companies. And dent warranties came into play when dealers wanted to start selling dent insurance to their customers who are buying cars. And a lot of PDR guys aren't too happy with it because they, they pay low prices and uh, they, we become a third party that kind of gets blamed when it's not covered by their warranty and so on and so forth. But a lot of guys shy away from them. They don't want to do dent warranties, uh, because of those reasons. I am the kind of guy who I, I take every single one that I can get because I know that 
the warranty company has given me a framework that I'm allowed to work within. And as long as the damage is coverable according to their framework, and I know how to push the outer limits of those, that framework, then I'm still going to be getting paid correctly for the work that I'm doing on that vehicle one way or the other. And that's why I encourage guys to consider taking on dent warranty companies because there is a way to make that a profitable uh, source of revenue for your company. But the same is true for um, PDR guys and, and adjusters. Yes, we have a framework to work within. Some guys who do hail work for a DRP shop, they can only use a DRP matrix. Um, many adjusters may not know, but there are multiple versions of hail matrices. Um, uh, some of them are lower than others. Uh, and I know that there are big, uh, big players in the hail world that are currently adjusting their matrix that has not been adjusted for you know, decades. Um, they are adjusting because they know the industry is shifting. And so that's coming. But even within those lower matrices, as long as you understand that they can be maximized, we, we may have to get creative on how do we do this, but they can be maximized and they can be used to get the damage covered as long as uh, the adjuster and the technician have an open mind and clear communication. Um, and I, I'm a big proponent of that. Um, I, I kind of feel like in some way it's a mindset. If your mindset as a professional PDR guy is that I'm going to make this situation work, and then you will. And if you look, go into it and you go, oh, this matrix is horrible and this adjuster is going to be a pain in the butt, well, guess what you're going to get in return? You're probably going to have a hard time dealing with that particular situation or storm. Um, and I, I just encourage guys when I have a chance to you know, speak into their careers or their lives that Hey, listen, you know, everybody's got somebody to answer to and adjusters are doing their job and I respect that. Now, how can I help to make your job easier while at the same time helping you to see and understand what I'm trying to explain to you about this particular damage? And I find that the majority of the time uh, I have a great relationship with the adjusters and we come to an agreement with without a lot of uh, a lot of heartache. And it's it's great. I mean, we to some degree, have to work together. So I would like to just make that easier for both of us. Absolutely. If that makes sense. It makes but. total sense. So, Paul, how can people, if they uh, want to reach out to you, uh, if they want to get connect with you on LinkedIn or however it is that you want to be contacted, how can people reach out to you? So I'm all over the internet. You guys can do a, a Google search for Paul Corden, uh, and uh, you can get me through email, paulcordon.gmail.com. Um, my phone number and everything is out there and I'm happy to provide any of that information for you too, uh, for the show notes. Uh, I have a website, paulcordon.com. It really, honestly, that's just a landing page. It's, it's really going to kind of show you my social media accounts like Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. Feel free to reach out to me through any of those medium, uh, because I, I'm equally available on LinkedIn as I am on Facebook or Instagram. And uh, I'm happy to discuss uh, business with you or whatever else you might need. Um, I enjoy helping guys and, uh, and teaching and, and training guys in the industry and, and even uh, adjacent industries, complementary industries. So look forward to it. Awesome. Paul, I appreciate you being on the podcast today. And listener, if you heard what Paul said about PDR technicians, make the adjuster's job easy. That can be flipped back around on us because I've seen the other side. I've worked with inside of PDR companies framework and had to work with adjusters. It's a hard job, but together – we can help make each other's uh, life a lot easier and still fulfill con 
contractual obligations, fulfill guidelines, and do the best by all parties. But the, the key is, I, I love your your documentation is justification, uh, which is equals salvation. salvation. Oh, love yeah. that. So guys, take that. And Paul, thank you so much for being on the Independent Adjuster Podcast. Man, it's been my pleasure, Chris. I really appreciate the opportunity, and I hope uh, I've brought some value here. And uh, let me know if I can do so in the future. Sounds perfect. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Take the next steps on your path to becoming an IA. Visit iapath.com slash steps to get your free guide with the first five steps to becoming an independent adjuster. Visit iPath.com slash steps.